Well, and also I was going to say, feel free to consolidate tables if needed, but you guys already did that. So if I haven't met you yet, I'm Christian Ann. I'm one of the pastors here, and we, uh, we pause in our meal to look at a story from Jesus' life um, or a teaching of his because um, something that we value is not only do we feel like we experience Jesus around the table in our community where two or more are gathered there, he is with us, but also we want to learn from Jesus. We want to learn from his life, and we think that he was the best leader to ever have lived, and, and he showed us the way that, that God intended us to live. So um, we just pause for about 10 minutes and look at some scripture together, and then there's an opportunity to discuss afterwards. So um, you don't have to share. There's no pressure. You can go on talking about how hot it is outside. If, you know, that's just what Minnesotans do. Um, but we, we give you an opportunity just to listen to one another and, and say if anything stood out to you. So there's a, a couple things I want to celebrate today because today is a, a unique day where two um, celebrations happen on one day. One is Juneteenth. I feel like I've learned a lot more about what Juneteenth is. It's technically now a national holiday. And this is celebrating um, the, the end of slavery. And I'm going to put that in quotations because um, in 1865, um, it, there was... The last territory that was functioning was Texas um, that was still allowing slaves to exist. And this was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. So there's, even after that had happened in Abraham Lincoln's time, um, they were still practicing ens enslavement. And so a general, General Granger, is his name, came in and announced that that this is no longer allowed, this is no longer legal, and that was the last territory to end the practice of slavery. And so that was in 1865, and um, it's worth celebrating for so many reasons because we, we want to be a church that looks at every person and says, you are made in the image of God, and celebrates the, the freedom that Christ gives us, not just on a spiritual level, but on a person-to-person -person level. And that happens when we look at other people and don't judge them by the color of their skin. And so we want to celebrate um, the fact that our brothers and sisters of color don't have to live with that oppression. And I think Jesus would be really pumped <laughs> about that in our country. So we celebrate that today. And even though it took two and a half years and we're still on this journey, um, I, I recently read a quote about Juneteenth saying, Juneteenth, if you don't know about it, it might be an opportunity to reflect on uh, our nation, how far our nation had come, has come, and how much farther we have to go. So I encourage you to, to look into the history of Juneteenth and to celebrate that in some way, whether it be this year or in years to come. Also, happy Father's Day. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to all of you who are fathers. But, you know, I always say, whether you are a father or not, you have a father. And so we've all been fathered in, in a way, and, and we have people in our lives that maybe played that role in our life, whether they were our biological father or not. And this can bring up some emotions, and, you know, fatherhood is not easy. And the work that each of you are doing who are fathers is kingdom work. That's the way I would phrase it. It's unseen. It's not noticed. It's not appreciated always by culture. But it is a, a ripple effect that you can cause the good and kingdom work and love, not just in one person's life to whom you're fathering, but generations from now. Um, and communities can be blessed from that. So I just want to say happy Father's Day, and we want you to celebrate uh, in whatever way you feel comfortable, and we have root beer. So 
We hope you, it's not, it's maybe not the, the stereotypical of the other type of beer, but you are welcome to have some root beer and take some home because we have a lot of it. <laughs> um, but I want to tell you a little bit of story uh, about my dad. I thought this would be fitting for today. I, uh, I grew up in a house where my parents weren't together from birth, and uh, so they never got married, and they'd be the first to tell you this story. Um, and uh, about that. So I just never knew. I had my biological dad. He lived in a different place, and I lived with my mom growing up, and then I had a stepdad. But with my biological dad, I really didn't have much of a relationship until much later. And it was from zero to 18 that since I lived with my mom, just for various reasons, I just wasn't that close with him. And I didn't, um, you know, I would spend every other weekend there, but there were times when I lived in a different state even. And um, as I got older and as I was in college, looking back kind of, and you know, thinking about and analyzing all the things that you do in college, including your family of origin, um, I just really thought, like, I want more of a relationship with him. I want to know him, and I want him to know me. And my thought was, I hope it's not too late. I hope it's not too late. Like, I would think I was 19 or 20, maybe, at the time. And I remember calling him on the phone. I live in Minnesota, and he's in California. And I just said, hey, Dad, kind of out of the blue, I said, can I just talk to you about something? And he's, like, always been a nice guy. But I just said, you know, I realize we don't really know each other that well. And I want that in my life. I want you to know me, and, and I want us to talk, like, on a monthly basis. And... From that point on, like, he responded really well to that. I think he might have maybe had some different feelings of embarrassment or nervousness about that or, you know, but I just, I wanted that. I wanted him to know me, and I had the opportunity to, to just give him a call. And we're going to be looking at a scripture in Matthew 5, and if you want to, if you have a device you want to turn to, we'll be kind of looking at that. But in Matthew's, Matthew 5, it talks about the Beatitudes, and we're going to talk about what that is in the Sermon on the Mount and this kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, as it's often talked about. And in God's kingdom, it's never too late to heal. It's never too late to restore relationship, to try again, and to cherish others. And I feel like I've, just from that one conversation, even though that didn't fix all of the, the years before, even though there was still a gap from what I really wanted from my dad growing up, there's something different that's possible because of relationship and he and he knows Jesus and we, we we've been able to talk about that that's a part of our lives together and so there's restoration there and so we're just going to hold that tension because I just I think even in the Juneteenth story it's it's never too late to experience redemption and healing and reconciliation even though they were two years later than even the Emancipation Proclamation so I just thought that was an interesting connection between those two stories, and we're going to look at Matthew 5, so we'll read that together. And um, this is one of Jesus' first sort of documented teachings. It's, it's become known as the Sermon on the Mount, and that's um, because I literally was just on a mountain. I mean, it's just kind of a cool, like, easy way to remember it. But um, you can, the people who were listening were Jewish people, and the context that they had is like, okay, the last time a, a main teacher went up on a hill and went up into a mountain and came back with sort of precepts of God, 
it was Moses. And Moses came back with the Ten Commandments and said, this is the way that you're supposed to live. And so the people who were there probably had sort of like deja vu or like, hey, God, God's done this before. And so he brings up his disciples, and this is one of the first teachings that, that he gives. Starting in verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to speak. And he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people rival you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way that they persecuted the prophets, those who were before you. And so it's really, I, I don't know, you, maybe you've heard that scripture before. It's, it's commonly taught on. Um, and I think that there's a lot of sort of ways that we come to this text and um, of, of what maybe Jesus didn't intend. So if you think about it, is this, you can ask the question like, is this an analysis of how the world works? Is this like Jesus' take on how the world works? No, right? Like because mourners go uncomforted. People who are mourning don't always get the comfort that they should have, right? Or the meek, the meek usually don't inherit the earth. Like if you think about who owns real estate, do you think of them being the meek ones? Not necessarily, right? Um, those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness Unfortunately, like we're celebrating today, but hoping for, like, that, that hunger for justice doesn't always get filled, right? And hunger for righteousness, like, you might go to your grave being hungry for that, wanting to see that happen in whatever way in your life. So it's not this analysis of how the world works, okay? But, so if it's not that, I think the way that I've related to this is just, like, a straight-up to-do list. Okay, so be meek. Be, be merciful, be pure in heart, and then I'm going to get blessed. Like, just straight up, okay, I do these things, and then God loves me more. Like, that's honestly, <laughs> I think the way that I, I tend to hear it. But is that what God is really trying to say here? Is that what Jesus is trying to get at? And so I, I joke about that, but, like, literally one of the ways that this was taught, my, my religion um, teacher in high school, his name was Mr. Burgout, still remember him today. I really liked him. Nicest guy on the planet. Um, and he said, you can think of this scripture as the be at it dudes. Be at it dudes, not beatitudes. Do it. Like, be at it. Do these things. And so I think, like, for me, I was like, okay, like, yeah, so this is just a to-do list. But no, I think, th what is it then? If it's not a to-do list, if it's not, like, okay, this is Jesus' analysis on how the world works, this is an announcement. This is an announcement. This is good news. And I love how there's this one translation I read that 
said it like this. Wonderful news for the poor in spirit. Wonderful news for the meek and for the mourners and for the peacemakers. Instead of blessed, right? That, that word, we'll come back to that word because that can be kind of a confusing word for us in our culture. But wonderful news for the poor in spirit. This is an announcement that these people, the people who are mourning, the, those who are poor in spirit, the people who are meek, merciful, they matter to God. So if Jesus is the king of a new kind of kingdom, in his kingdom, these people are the most important. These people matter. These people are seen. For that's not necessarily how our world functions, right? Like the humble aren't necessarily the people who are seen or the meek, right? Or the persecuted. They get, they get pushed off to the side. But in Jesus' kingdom, if he's a new king and he's the leader of this world, in his kingdom, these people really matter. And so Jesus is this promise, like this living promise, and then through his death and resurrection, a new time, a new era, a kingdom era starts. And, you know, now what we do is speak, if you are a follower of Jesus, it's like you're in two different rooms at the same time. You're, you're straddling a, a threshold because there's one reality that says, no, 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 these are the people who are blessed. Like if you look on the Instagram, if you look on Facebook, I said the Instagram, I don't know if I meant, but it, I'm probably, you know, you know what I'm saying. Instagram, I do have a handle, christianminneapolis.com, okay. Um, but if you, look, if you look at who is blessed on Instagram, like who is that? Are they the meek, the poor in spirit, the peacemakers? No, it's the wealthy, it's the beautiful people, it's the powerful people, it's the people who have all the tips that want to tell you how to DIY your house, all those things, right? And so we get confused because our culture values these other ways of being blessed and feeling important. But here's Jesus saying, no, 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 I'm starting a new era, a new kingdom, a new way that the world is meant to work where the people who mourn are most valued, are seen have a place, have a place in my world. And so Jesus starts this kingdom, and it's our, the role that we get to play is to live in that reality as best we can. And this isn't the try harder mentality, but this is asking the Holy Spirit and asking God, help me live in a way that literally values and prioritizes these types of things, peacemaking, how can I value that in my life? And so we, we're doing this little teaching series on experiments. And I thought, oh gosh, how, how, how do we make experiments? Like what is Jesus trying to invite us into? Because I, it is a way of life. But I would say that the experiment I want to have for you is to pick one of these. And not just try hard and do it, but to say, what would it look like to prioritize as, as God does, as God cares about the merciful, for example, what would it be like to prioritize the merciful and to learn from the merciful in my life? Or those who are peacemakers, or blessed are those who are persecuted. Do we even pay attention to that at all? Like, it, it's not on our radar, if we're honest, most of the time. And so the experiment that I want to invite you into, that I feel like Jesus is inviting us into, is to say, look at your time, if you ever want to know what you care about, how do you spend your time, how do you spend your money, and what do you think about? 
And that is the easiest way to just do a self-evaluation, like look at one week and say, what do I value most by looking at how I spend my time, how I spend my money, and what I think about. And so I, I invite you to, to read over this scripture because this is a way of life. This is a different way that's totally countercultural to what our culture values, right? And so what does it mean to bring up the priority? And I would say I just came up with a couple that, that sort of rose to the surface. But have you ever spent time with someone who is mourning and just or with them? To say, I value your mourning process. It doesn't happen in our lives. Like right now, Father's Day is not always a happy thing for people. And so to sit with and hear someone's story. But if there's someone in your life that you can think of that's mourning, what would it be like to prioritize them? Because that matters to God. What would it be like to elevate that process for them and say, it's okay. You don't need to move on like everybody's going to tell you to do. That's an example of, a, of an experiment to, to spend time with someone. What about someone who is meek or poor in spirit? Who comes to mind in your life that's humble? I looked up the, the definition for meekness. It's not a word we use a lot. Quiet, gentle, patient, and long-suffering. Honestly, it's not something I, I've come to value right now in my life, but I want to. I thought my kids actually have a lot to teach me about meekness. Not necessarily because they're gentle or patient, I'll be honest. But there's a zone there that I'm invited into to get stretched in my patience and long-suffering. Or I think just really practically, if you are someone on social media, are there people in your life that are valuing the opposite of kingdom values that you might just need to unfollow to, to sort of make a distinction of saying, I'm not going to replace them necessarily. I'm just going to look towards these values in my, my day-to-day. I'm not going to unfollow to follow other people. And that, that could work too. But are there just people that's making you think about all of these other things that might be a distraction from the things that God cares about in his kingdom that he wants to do? So the experiment is to let one of these just jump off at you. And, and in our discussion, sort of the thing is, is there one that stands out to you that, that you just say, I don't value that? Or like, this person, this is who comes to mind when I hear this. Um, and so we're just going to have a few minutes to discuss, about 10 max, and maybe have a couple people, you know, make sure everyone who wants to share can share. But is there something that stood out to you about this teaching that, this, this kingdom that, that God's creating that's so different from what our culture values. Because if I want to encourage you, if you hear yourself in this scripture, where you feel poor in spirit, meek, persecuted, God sees you as blessed, and he wants to bless you. And how can we be people who value that as well? I'll pray for us, and then you guys can, can chat a little bit. God, I just pray for eyes to see and soft hearts and flexible schedules to say yes. To say yes to you and no to things that distract us from this way of life. And we pray that you'd be around the table with us as we, as we talk about these things that you deeply cared about, these people that you deeply cared about. In Jesus' name, amen.